The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this episode are that of the guest and host and do not necessarily reflect the values of sponsors or other associated organizations. Welcome to the Parental Compass, presented by Family Education and Support Services. As always, I am your host, Bobby Williams. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. Any platform you're listening to this on, you can most likely hit that subscribe button and you'll get notified every week when we drop a new episode. Schools and school discipline has changed a lot since we were kids, hopefully. At least they're not hitting kids with paddles anymore. So today we're going to look at school discipline, what's been changing, and how you can be a strong advocate for your child. Our guest today is Nicolette Oliver. Nicolette has been an international teacher, a principal, and a behavioral specialist. So a wide range of perspective on this issue. Let's check it out. To school discipline and also academic approaches over the past two decades, um, especially here in Washington State, there's been a whole um, slew of new laws regarding equity and discipline in our schools. And so I think each school district is kind of at a different place in its implementation um, to meet the new standards um, compared to what we grew up with as kids. And so in the past, um, it kind of felt like students um, all had to meet the same expectations in the same way. And now the onus feels like it's more on the schools to meet students' unique needs, whether they're labeled um, as in need of a special program or not. So in the past, let's say a student needed academic support or behavioral support, then the school might say, hey, they need to have an individualized education plan. They need to be part of our special education program in order to get the help that they need. Um, but nowadays we have something called the multi-tiered system of support. Um, I'll try not to use any other acronyms besides this one today, but it's uh -huh. MTSS. And so that's really saying um, it's on the school to find ways to provide the supports for each kid that that kid needs, um, whether they're involved in a special program or not. So you're saying that new laws are being passed, but then you're also saying schools are on different levels of catching up. But if it's a law, doesn't it mean you kind of have to be caught up or just explain that idea to me because I'm a little curious about that. That is true. <laughs> um, Basically, I there were laws that were passed in 2016 regarding equity and school discipline, just trying to um, acknowledge that there were some disparities, there were some inequalities in school discipline. So you might see, for example, um, students of color or students with disabilities or students of poverty or students um, who are part of the foster care system being disciplined at higher rates um, than white students who have, you know, the economic means to do well in school. And so they passed some new laws um, in 2016. They went into effect about 2018. Um, but change is hard. Change is a process. And so there are a lot of schools who are still in the process of transitioning um, to more restorative practices instead of punitive style discipline. It, it seems like it's almost a culture shift 
then too or one of the tough things with schools is you can have teachers who have been there 30 years so trying to shift the culture of a school can probably be really difficult sometimes yes but and also i think the whole school community so that is not just the teachers but it could be the administrators it could be the school board representatives it's the parents i think a lot of times even the parents will come in i i've seen parents come in and say whoa, how come my student hasn't been suspended yet this year? In the past, my student would have been suspended multiple times by Christmas break. And I was like, well, you know, there, there's new laws we have to follow. And so I, I think it's a cultural shift across our, our whole society. Now that we learned that there are better and more effective ways to help kids long-term. So I think it's looking at like the short-term um, conformity, short-term obedience, over the long term, what what's in the best interest of the child's social and mental development? Totally. When I was working with youth in foster care, one argument I would hear all the time from teachers or whoever is we have 30 students in this class and this one kid is stopping everyone's learning. And on one hand, I'm like, well, I mean, that's kind of legit. You got to teach everyone. But then on the other hand, I'm like, stop suspending my kid. You know, so I, I guess what are your thoughts on that idea? I, I think the classroom and our, our schools can be a bit of a microcosm of our society. And so just like in the real world outside of school, we have um, people who have struggles, who struggle with different things in their personal lives. Um, and so as a society, how do we how do we work with those people? Do we push them to the margins of our society or do we support them and pick them up um, and, and help them, you know, um, like work cooperatively within our systems? And so I, I think that's the same for students in our classroom. So we're modeling that for the children um, in our room as we're saying, what, what do we do when we're seeing somebody struggle? Do we help them or do we, do we push them out? Um, and so that's, that's, I think, some of the core values that are part of that cultural shift we're experiencing in our schools. I could hear, you know, I'm not necessarily arguing this, but I could hear someone saying like, well, what about accountability? Like, are we just, someone gets in trouble, we're supposed to do what? Yeah, uh, I've done a lot of uh, trainings for educators. Uh, for example, I was a presenter at the Northwest PBIS Conference, St. Martin's University's Teaching Equity Conference. Um, my topic tends to be equity in school discipline. And so people are saying, hey, accountability means punishment. And I think that's where the misunderstanding occurs. It, is accountability, uh, let's see if I could do this with my hands. So sometimes I say like, it is wrong we all we all know this if this child hurts this child right that has made that child feel bad yeah and so when we when we punish the student who was wrong it feels like we're trying to make them feel as bad as they made somebody else feel and so that was kind of the old school discipline so now we just end up with a whole bunch of students who feel way down here in our school system and that's not really what we want so what we really want is when this student has done wrong we hold them accountable for bringing the other student back up and so that's where that accountability comes in and so that's in our schools called restorative practices how can we make it that child's responsibility to bring that other student back up? And how do we facilitate the social skills necessary for students to have a positive interaction even after something negative has happened? 
Well, what do you do? Like, what's the real life practice of bringing that student back up? A lot of times it, it's um, like taking a break and letting everybody deescalate a little bit because when people are in that stressed out fight or flight, we don't want them to continue fighting. So sometimes it's who breathe, take a break, giving them some calming strategies and then bringing them together when they're ready to have a conversation and to problem solve and get to the root of the issue instead of saying, you know, you hit somebody that was wrong and you're bad. We don't want to just fill kids with shame. We want to say, hey, you hit somebody that was wrong. What can we do to make it right? And also, you know, what were you thinking at the time? Was there like a core issue that we need to solve so that this doesn't happen again? Well, I think even having the process of what were you thinking at that time? Something that comes up a lot in this show is how you can be a real victim of your emotions and be driven by them, but how can you separate and understand yourself better? So the more we can teach children that, the better. Mm-hmm. What about if you're not happy with how your student is being treated at school? Like you feel something's happening, it's not fair, you want to do something. What are the next steps there? Right. And so I kind of have three steps to successfully advocate for your child at school. And the first step is making sure that you're a proactive partner with your school. And so being aware of what's happening in your school, the approach your school takes, and your best source of information is going to be your kid. So first of all, just starting at home, facilitating that communication, just to talk about how their day was, what was their favorite part of the day, their least favorite part of the day. And you can kind of glean a lot of information uh, about the school and your child's experience from those conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, Another opportunity is just to subscribe to school information. I also recommend communicating with your teachers regularly and even just setting that tone in the beginning of the year. So, for example, you could tell a teacher, hey, I just want to let you know I'm going to reach out to you every month to let you know if there's any changes with my kid at home and to check on their peer interactions. Um, And that way that the teacher's not surprised that you're emailing every month to check in. Um, The more you can get involved, the better. So what's the uh, third step then? Oh, that was only the First step, the second step is if there oh, is an issue. Okay, right. Yeah, if, if there is an issue, then you are going to have to sit down and meet with that teacher. Um, and I recommend asking specifically which MTSS supports your child qualifies for. And so again, MTSS is kind of like the new way we're trying to approach equity in schools to make sure, you know, there's there's not any uh, discrimination happening. And it's called multi-tiered system of support. So whether your child needs a a reading support, math support, social skills support, um, your school should be proactively helping your kid and providing extra support for them to meet their needs. But if the teacher is not able to answer that or you're unsatisfied after meeting with the teacher, um, then please meet with the principal um, to find a school-based solution. I recommend listing out your concerns ahead of time, bringing any documentation you may have, and bringing a friend to help you take notes and kind of keep you on track. Because if, if you're concerned for your kid, sometimes you can feel escalated, sometimes you can feel stressed out. And so it's good to have a friend to kind of um, keep you linear. Uh-huh. So, so step one, proactive partnership. Step two, try to find a school-based solution by talking with the teacher first and then with the principal. And then step three, you may need to file a complaint if you're not satisfied. 
Mm. So it's just a matter of continuing to go up the chain until you feel like your needs are being met or what you're talking about is being understood. Yeah. And so the lowest level is going to be your best bet. So hopefully by just having that proactive relationship with the teacher, you can solve any issues without having to go to the principal. Or once you talk to the principal, hopefully the principal will be able to sort anything out and you won't have to go to the superintendent or the school board. That, that's the aim. I feel like it's a good practice in general if you're having an issue with someone to talk with them about it first. Absolutely. And if it doesn't get met, keep going until mm -hmm. it does. Well, mental health is a huge issue right now. We're still dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. What challenges do you expect to see as this next school year is starting? I definitely see challenges because there are a lot of, there's a, a lot of grief happening. I mean, there, there's a lot of students who have lost family members. There's a lot of students who are dealing with sickness themselves. And so it is a stressful time. And so mental health is impacted by these, these types of global stressors because they, they hit close to home. Um, one thing that I do worry about though, is assuming that by just reopening schools, mental health issues with students will just magically disappear because unfortunately that's not the case. Um, even before, I believe that um, School Counselor Association, they did a survey. As young as early elementary, kindergarten, first grade students, before the pandemic hit, they were having rising cases and unprecedented numbers of suicide ideation. So yeah. that's little kids in mental health crises before the pandemic happened. So schools were open before the pandemic and mental health was an issue then. It has just gotten worse. And so by reopening the schools, it, it may lessen our mental health crisis, but it will not solve it. And so I think Investing in more school nurses and counselors and social workers and psychologists is very important because we are vastly underfunded in the mental health professional um, kind of uh, corner of our schools. Some schools don't have any mental health professionals at all. Um, and I think that's a disservice to our kids. Do you think we're just noticing mental health issues more? Or, you know, do you think society is causing more of this? Like, why were numbers going up even before COVID? That's a very good question. The studies I read haven't said definitively. Um, I think, I mean, I definitely have my own personal views on that. I think it's multifaceted. Um, I think that uh, a lot of it is just these relationships is, is where we are going to find not a solution, but one of one piece of the solution to this puzzle is building those positive relationships with each other and doing more restorative practices. So whether it's these two kids who are fighting, they need to have a conversation and restore that relationship, whether it's the teacher and a student and they're butting heads and they're not getting along, how does the principal or somebody else, you know, facilitate that restorative um, conversation so that they can heal their relationship. And it's just, you know, person by person, relationship by relationship, making sure that each child in the classroom has a positive connection with somebody. Every kid needs a friend. Every kid needs a trusted adult. Everybody needs a champion to have their back. And so I think um, whether that's virtual or in person, that's what we need is we need to feel like we have trust with each other. I feel like what COVID did was it made us just look at society different and notice the problems more. And usually when we're in our day-to-day -day hustle and bustle, we don't really get the chance to analyze and really 
look at mm -hmm. things. So it's, I'm just interested to see what the world becomes. Right. And they also say, for example, um, that with COVID, there were a lot of marriages that didn't survive that. And so when you think about how traumatic that can be for kids, too, um, that that's going to be an issue when they come back to the classroom, because kids are feeling grief over lost loved ones from COVID. They're feeling grief over their, their family and home life that may have um, been split up over the pandemic um, and any number of things. And so there's, there's plenty of stressors coming at our children and we just need to provide those kind of protective factors. What can we do to make their day a little bit brighter? Totally. Something I hear from parents I know is they don't want their child to be evaluated for a learning disability because they don't want them to have that label. They're worried that's a label they'll carry with them their whole education career. What would you say to those parents? Um, I would say that in the past, there just the way that school funding works, honestly, I think impacted the way that students receive special services. So you would, for example, get money from the federal or the state government that said, this money is for special education, this money is for for 504 health concerns, this money is for English language learners. So then they would hire staff just for those particular things and those staff could only provide those services. So your child may not be able to stay in their general education classroom most of the day, they would have to go somewhere else to get the support they need. But now they're changing the funding formulas and they're just saying, hey, we need this one system of support that we can kind of like plug in kids and plug in interventions. And so we're, we're not creating these like silos, these individual groups. So we're not inadvertently segregating kids by need. Instead, we're saying there's a place for every kid in this school and we're going to meet your needs, whether you have an IEP or a 504 or not. If you need help, you need help. But those, those services still definitely are available for those students who need it. So you can get those services without even an official label or evaluation or? It depends. It depends on the school team. And so this MTSS, this multi-tiered system of support, will say you need to have a school team and a district team, and there should be family and community members involved in those teams. And so if you're an interested parent, ask your school, hey, can I be involved in those school teams so I can be a part of the decisions being made about how services are rendered at my school? Mm. So there's a lot of opportunities for involvement. Yeah. I remember just in my own school career being diagnosed with ADD and a, a version of dyslexia and just feeling really bad about it. Like, I don't know mm -hmm. if I kind of could identify that's why I felt bad. But I say that to say, I just hope that schools are becoming a more inclusive place where everyone can feel accepted and encouraged, you know? Yeah, that's the goal. And, and each school and each district is kind of at a, its own place of learning and growing towards that ideal. So Hopefully so get involved, go to your school board meetings, ask the questions, make sure your school's policies and procedures line up with the new laws and everything. Um, but it, it's that's what it takes to have better schools is it takes informed, involved parents asking the right questions and demanding the best for their kids. Right on. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Nikolai. We all have busy lives, but the more you can be a presence in the school community, the better. This has been the Parental Compass, Family Education and Support Services, Bobby Williams. We'll see you next week. Peace.